Morning, church. Good to see you guys. I'm Pastor AJ. A um, couple announcements for you before we dive into our message this morning. Um, first and foremost, I want to say uh, welcome. If it's your first time here, we are so excited you're joining us today. Um, in a lot of the pews in front of you, you'll see little new visitor cards. We would love it if you would fill that out and just drop it off in the foyer, like in the offering box. Um, that would help us to be able to better connect with you, and we'll also include you on our weekly email list. We probably pro- we promise you that we will not sell your information or anything like that. We just want to connect with you, and we're really glad that you're here. Also, I want to let you know, we passed out um, Advent journals, devotional journals, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had 40 of them to give out to all the families, and they were gone the very first day. Like, we went in the back, and they were all gone. So a couple of you said you missed out on it. Just want to let you know, we ordered more. They came in, and they are on the back table right there. So if you'd like to grab um, an Advent devotional, they are available for you today to pick up. And then I have two um, kind of praises I want to share with you guys. One is our blessing tree that we've been doing since Thanksgiving to adopt kids um, in, for Christmas and to bless them with gifts and stuff this year. And we have about 80% of our kids who have been taken off of the tree so far. And so that's awesome. And we want to celebrate that. Today is the last day for you to be able to take a kid from the tree. So if you have not yet done so, if you're waiting till the end, I want to let you know, take the opportunity today if you'd like to take a kid from the tree. All you have to do is write down what ornament you're taking, and we'd like for you guys to bring gifts back by next Sunday, December 17th. And then the last thing is, during this time of year, I plug the 1 in 100 giving, which is a special offering that we do to help people in crisis situations in our community, people who have lost a job, who are unable to pay a fuel bill, need help with groceries, things like that. And usually during this time of year, at the end of the year, our fund starts getting pretty low, which is what's been happening. I want to let you know, we had an amazing offering last week where about $600 came in towards a 1 in 100 offering. So I want to thank you guys for that, first and foremost. And I I want to let you know again, please continue to give to that. If you have not yet done so and would like to do so, you can do it online um, through our online giving. Some people give recurrent giving of $10 or $20 a month, or you can make a one-time gift. The need has never been greater than what we've seen this year, and that fund could still definitely continue to use some additional giving. So please, we invite you to do that. Well, I'm so thankful to have you guys all join us today here at First Light South Portland Church. And um, for those of you on the other side of a computer screen or a television this morning, welcome to First Light Church online. You are our extended family, and we're very thankful for all of you joining us as well. Now, today, we're continuing in this Christmas series called The Ghosts of Christmas. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been kind of looking at this very famous Charles Dickens Christmas story called The Christmas Carol, where Ebenezer Scrooge, this miserable miser who only seems to care about money, has these encounters with four supernatural beings, these spirits or ghosts that come over several nights leading up to Christmas. And through these ghostly encounters, he discovers the meaning of Christmas and it saves his soul. And then in addition to unpacking this very famous Christmas tale, we're also unpacking the very true biblical Christmas story. And we're looking at some parallels Because in the biblical Christmas story, there are four different times in Scripture that supernatural beings from God called angels appear to some people and reveal some incredible good news about Christmas, that the God of the universe loves each and every one of us and has sent the gift of his son Jesus to save our souls. 
And so last week, we looked at Scrooge's encounter with the ghost of his old business partner by the name of Jacob Marley. And if you remember, it had been like seven years since Jacob Marley had passed away. And during those seven years, the ghost of Marley had kind of wandered the earth trying to connect with Scrooge and warn him that his soul was in danger. But it wasn't until this particular Christmas season that Marley was finally allowed by some higher power to make contact with Scrooge. And so after seven years of wandering, he tries to make contact, and finally, Jacob Marley appears one night, and he warns his friend, Ebenezer, that his soul is in grave peril. And he tells him that now he's going to be visited by three additional spirits, the ghosts of Christmas. And the first spirit who's going to come visit him at night will be the ghost of Christmas past. Let's check it out. Zwick once said to me, Ebenezer, when happiness shows up, always give it a comfortable seat. True. Giving people pleasure is such a small matter. He only spent a few pounds, three or four at best. Is it so much that he deserves praise for it? You don't understand, spirit. He had the power to make us happy or unhappy, to make our work heavy or light. What's the matter? Nothing. Looking back, perhaps things seem better than they really were. All this was a lie, then? The world changes. You can't trust anything. Just like this, right down to the last mince pie and dance. Our promise to marry is an old one. It was made when we were poor and content to be so until we improved our fortunes. You are changed. When we promised each other, you were another man. I was a boy. How often and how keenly I have thought of this, I will not say. But I have thought of it. And can release you from your promise. No. No. Speak to her. Why doesn't he speak to her? If you were free today, tomorrow, yesterday, would you choose a poor girl like me to marry? You who weigh everything by gain? No, there'd be no profit in it. And if you forgot your principle of profit for a moment and did marry me, you'd regret it, my love. I know. And so I release you with a full heart for the love of the man you once were. Take me home. I do delight in torturing me. 
And so the ghost of Christmas past takes Scrooge back in time to when he was a young man, and he reminds him of the Christmas when he had an incredibly important choice before him, the choice to choose love or the pursuit of monetary wealth. And it was a painful experience for Scrooge to witness and to relive. As it became apparent that the choices that he had made in life, or the lack of choices due to fear, had now left him with deep, deep regrets. Now today, as we continue to look at the biblical Christmas story, we're going to look at another young person who faced an incredible crossroads in life with decisions to make. But unlike Ebenezer Scrooge, despite her youth, this young woman decided to walk a path of incredible courage and incredible faith. Today, we're going to look at the biblical Christmas account of when an angel appeared to a teenage girl named Mary. And we will see how her faithfulness set the stage for our salvation. But before we dive into that today, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the fear that many of us have about what God might have planned for us. Because I believe that there are a lot of people that sometimes will treat God a little bit like that annoying person who always wants something from them. And I don't know if you've ever had anybody like that in your life, but sometimes there are those people that whenever they call you, you kind of know they want something, and so you just let it ring and go straight to voicemail. Anybody have somebody like that in their life? Come on, don't lie. I know I'm not the only one this morning, right? You have somebody like that in your life. You know, people who, who you know, you might see them out in public, right? Maybe you even see them at church, and in your head you're going, uh-oh, they're so-and-so. Maybe they didn't see me. Let me walk the other way. You know, don't point at them right now, okay? Don't point at them. Don't point them out. We're in church. Somebody in the back started pointing. Don't do that, all right? But you know who I'm talking about. They're so-and-so. Look out. Come on, kids. Let's make it to the car. I don't care that you forgot your jacket. I'll buy you ice cream if we can get to the car right now and get out of here. But sometimes I think even unknowingly, many of us, we kind of treat God that way. In other words, we want to be close enough to him to get the good stuff from him, but we want to keep a little bit of distance. You know, we, 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 want, we want the promise of heaven. We want his blessings in our life. We want his peace, but I don't want to be so surrendered to God that he has total access to every area of my life. Because if I completely surrendered everything to him, I mean, he might make me use my vacation time to go on that mission trip to Africa. I mean, he might make me give up something that I enjoy. He might make me be generous with my money and start to tithe. I mean, he might make me, students, he might make me marry somebody godly but not attractive. Is that too far? Did I cross the line this morning? I don't know if anybody's ever thought that before, but I'm trying to talk to, to real people this morning. The rest of you holier-than-thou people, you can sit back and polish your halos this morning while I talk to, to the real people this morning, because I think there's some of this real stuff that we really need to deal with. Because sometimes I, I think for real people, there's this sense of fear of what if I give everything to him and then life doesn't really work out the way that I want it to go. And life isn't as fun as I think it ought to be. And fear can overwhelm us, and, and it can overtake us. And then, like Scrooge, it can leave us 
later with regret. Some people would say that, that fear is the absence of faith, but I disagree. I, I would argue that fear actually is faith. It's just faith in the wrong things in life. You could say that fear is placing your faith in all the what-ifs in life. It's catastrophizing. What if the economy falls apart? What if I lose my job? What if someone I love gets cancer? What if you know, the, the plane crashes on that church trip? What if I, I never get married? What if I marry an ugly jerk? What if I marry an ugly jerk and we have kids and they look like that ugly jerk and they're an eternal reminder to me that I married an ugly jerk? And the fears go on and on and on and on. What if, what if, what if, what if? See, fear is placing our faith in the worst case scenarios. And I can very, very easily be overtaken by fear in some incredibly irrational ways. And I don't know if any of you are like this or not, but my wife, Julie, I love her so much. And she's so good. She's like so good at so many different things, very talented. But one thing she's kind of bad at is judging time. I would say that she has the, the spiritual gift of uh, time distortion. I think it's almost down to like an art form. And so a lot of times, especially like very early on in our marriage, maybe first five, ten years of our marriage, she'd tell me that she was going to go do something and that she was going to be back at a certain time and that it was going to take such and such long that she would be back and I'd be waiting for her. And I'd be like, okay, she's 10 minutes late. Now she's 30 minutes late. She's two hours late. And she also has the spiritual gift of not answering her phone or checking text messages. Do you know people like that? And so then I would start to slip into this fear, like maybe something happened to her. Oh my gosh, she's probably been in a car wreck or kidnapped. I'd seen the movie Taken one too many times. And I'd be thinking, I need to call the cops or Liam Neeson or something like that because my wife is missing and my life is over. Fear, 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 fear. And in a relatively short amount of time, I would start to have a panic attack. And I would think, okay, I'm the pastor. I'm going to have to do the funeral. I don't think I could do that. And my mind would start to spiral down this dark rabbit hole. I'm going to have to quit ministry because I don't think I could do ministry without her. And we have a lot of kids. What were we thinking? <laughs> Lots of children. I can't even get them dressed for school. I can't send them to school looking like that. I'm going to have to homeschool. But man, if I'm homeschooling, they're going to be dumb kids. And I'm not going to have a job. And they're going to starve. And I'm too heartbroken to ever get married again. And anyway, who's going to marry a guy with no job and a ton of kids? And so I'm envisioning myself as an 80-year-old bachelor with adult children who are malnourished and illiterate. And all that fear happened over my wife being late for two hours. See, church, fear can drive us to the point of irrational panic. But the good news is, according to 2 Timothy 1.7 in Scripture, Scripture says that God has not given us, say it with me, church. Can we say it this morning on the count of three? One, two, three. God has not given us a what? Spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so today, I want to talk to you about the fear of what God might be asking 
you to do. And we're going to unpack the idea by continuing in the Christmas story in Luke and looking at when an angel appeared to a teenage girl named Mary. And so why is it that we're often afraid of God's plans? I think there are a lot of answers to that question, but I want to give you two based on this story today. The first one, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Number one is this. Number one, God's interruptions are often inconvenient. Okay? Why are we often afraid of God's plans? Because number one, God's interruptions are often inconvenient, aren't they? When God interrupts us, his interruptions are often very, very inconvenient. In fact, you're going to see this in the story of Mary. So let's start in Luke 1, starting in verse 26. If you remember from last week, Elizabeth is Mary's relative, who is too old to have kids. But an angel appears to her husband, Zach, who's a priest, and gave some good news. And, and now she is miraculously pregnant, and she gives birth to a boy who becomes a very, very famous person. Do you guys remember his name from last week? What was his name? John the Baptist. That's right. And so the Christmas story now continues. Again, verse 26. Here's what it says. It says, in the six months of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, same one who visited Zach, Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. Now let's talk about this. The angel Gabriel appears. And as we said last week, I think sometimes in our world today, when we think about angels, we have a real misconception. We, we imagine almost, you know, this chubby, bald, naked baby angels playing a little harp on a cloud. Or we think about shows in our life, like Highway to Heaven or Touched by an Angel with sweet, mild-mannered, beautiful beings that you could have a calm conversation with. That's not really what Bible angels look like. They were described as fierce, warlike, supernatural creatures. And they were able to strike down nations, like entire nations, if God so commanded. And yet, they were obedient enough to God to go and care for and protect a small little defenseless child, if that child needed protection. And so this angel Gabriel is one of two angels that are specifically named in the Bible. The other is Michael. And the angel appears to a teenager named Mary, and the story goes on, verse 27, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel appeared to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words. So again, this, this angel Gabriel, like with Zach and Liz, has good news. So now Mary's excited, right? She's got to take a pic with her angel for her Insta page, hashtag new profile pic, right? Wrong. She freaks out, which is what we would do if a Bible angel appeared. She was greatly troubled. Now let's get back into the backstory and start thinking about what's going on in her mind and in her life. We don't know for sure Mary's exact age, but chances are she's probably around 15 or 16 years old. And the reason we know that is because in her culture, once a girl would hit puberty, which usually happened a little bit later back then to now because of some biology and diet and stuff like that, but it usually happened a little bit later. She was probably around 15 or 16. Shortly after they would hit puberty, they would be promised to be engaged, to be married. So think of Mary as like a freshman or a sophomore in high school, okay? Kind of crazy, right, students? That young, that's where she's at. And so if you can see inside her mind, what does a young bride 
probably going to be thinking and probably going to be doing during that season of life? Well, she's searching on Pinterest, trying to find all the creative ideas to make her wedding day special, maybe. Maybe she's looking through bridal magazines. She's practicing signing her name with her new last name. Maybe she's dreaming about what her home is going to look like or coming up with names for her future children. She's dreaming about all the possibilities of what the future has to hold. And then suddenly the scary angel appears and interrupts all her plans and her perfect idea of her future. So what can we learn from this? Well, a very important thought is that what we call interruptions, God often sees as an invitation. What we call interruptions, God often sees as an invitation. Those times that we feel that God is interrupting me, he's actually often inviting us to a better story that he has for us. Think about it throughout Scripture. What did God do with Moses? He interrupts a regular day for Moses with this burning bush, and he invites Moses to become the deliverer of God's people, the Israelites, from the hand of Pharaoh. With Jonah, God interrupts him with a great big fish and invites him to save the people of Nineveh. In the New Testament, Saul was off killing Christians, right? And God interrupts him with a blinding light and invites him to become the author of much of our New Testament today. God interrupts plans with an invitation into a greater story. And I believe there are many of us who often view God's plans for us as interruptions, when in actuality, God really wants something greater for you and for your life. And I don't know how this could play out for you. Maybe you're a student here. Maybe you're a student here and you felt an incredible calling from God at NYC this summer. But you've allowed that feeling to just kind of fade as an interruption. But when you think back upon it, you know it was something more than that. And you just can't seem to shake it. Some of you, maybe you aren't really church people. You're not very religious. You're not even sure you believe in God. But someone interrupted your plans. And they invited you to come to church. And they just kept begging you and begging you to come. And you've always had excuses. Like, nah, I'm just not that interested. I'm busy. Church people are kind of weird. But finally, you gave in one week. Because that's the way first light people are. We're persistent. We don't take no for an answer. And so you're here today. And you think, well, maybe I'll just endure it and just get in and get out. But then something started to happen. Maybe you were touched by a song that you heard this morning in worship, or, or someone greeted you or with a warm smile or said something to you this morning, or you heard something in the message, and it was like God was speaking directly to you. And your heart softened a little. And suddenly you found yourself being drawn to God. That's that pervenient grace of God just pulling you towards him. You sensed a supernatural presence, and even now, something in you has changed. It's different. And what you thought was just an interruption in life was actually an invitation to something way, way better. Maybe you're an adult here, and you felt a call to serve or get involved in your church, but you brushed it off. And so week after week, month after month, year after year, you come to church and you've noticed, hey, there's a need. And you even think at times, I could do that, but I don't really have time for that. And you keep feeling it until one day you don't even realize it, but you're signing up to help thinking, why am I doing this? I don't have time for this. 
And the next thing you know, you're serving at our Lighthouse School, working with preschoolers or Lighthouse kids on Sunday morning with the elementary kids. Or maybe you're Sunday night at Fuse, you know, leading a group of middle school students. Or you're on the worship team. Or you're serving at the clothing closet. Or you're a greeter at the front door. And two months later, you realize that greatest hour or two of your week is when God is using you to impact a three-year-old or a 12-year-old or opening a door and giving someone a hug. And you're like, I look forward to that. I so look forward to that. Well, what happened? God interrupted you somewhere along the way and invited you to something better, to a greater story. So an angel of the Lord appears to this girl who has her life planned out and says, I've got something different for you. And then in verse 30, the angel says this, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, I don't know about you, but if God has some favors that he's given out, I'd love a little bit of that action. Amen? Anybody with me? But we're going to find out in this story that favor isn't exactly what Mary maybe thought it was going to be. Like, if I'm Mary and I hear that from an angel, I'm thinking, God is offering me favor. I just landed a spot on the best wedding reality show ever. Like, this is awesome. My dream wedding is getting paid for. Maybe my honeymoon, God's in charge of this? She's probably thinking now, say yes to the dress Jerusalem edition. This is exciting. But what she doesn't realize is that God has something very, very different planned for her. See, why are we often afraid of God's plans? Because number one, God's interruptions are often inconvenient. And now because of this, number two, God's purpose is often different than our plans. God's purpose is often different than what we envision, than our plans. His purpose for us is so very different than what we envision for ourselves. And we see this in verse 31 through 33. The angel Gabriel finally reveals God's purpose and plan to this young girl, Mary, and he says this. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. Sorry, Mary, no dream wedding, but you're going to give birth to the Son of God, and his name will be Jesus, and he will be the Savior of the world. Merry Christmas. And you can only imagine what this teenage girl was feeling as her emotions swung back and forth as God interrupts her life with that invitation. I mean, think about it. I've been chosen to be the mother of the Son of God. Wow. And then, boom, her emotions swing. But what are people going to say about me? I thought I was going to be on dream wedding, but instead, this is an episode of Teen Mom. Pregnant and out of wedlock? Angel, you know this is potentially punishable by death, right? By stoning. Oh my gosh, fear. But what an honor to be chosen by God. But I have to tell my fiance, Joseph, and he might not believe me, and he might leave me, fear. You can imagine how all over the place her emotions would have been. God's purpose, way, way, way different than her plans. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, God's purposes are higher than our purposes.
And look, I don't know how this could play out in your life, but when God interrupts you with an invitation, you're going to discover that his purposes are greater than your plans and different than your plans. And I don't know how it's going to happen for you. Maybe it'll be you lose a job one day and you're like, this is the worst thing ever. God, where are you? How are we going to pay the bills? And then suddenly you find a way better job or you start a business that you had always kind of dreamed of but never you know, had the courage to really do until you were forced to do it in that moment. And years later, you go back and think about what happened in the past in that time and you go, wow, I thought I was under a curse but I was actually under a blessing from God in that situation. I don't know how many times I've talked to people who were like, I thought I was going to marry this person. I thought they were perfect. And then the relationship went south. And I thought, I'm never going to have a relationship again. I'm going to be single forever. And they had no idea that God was preparing another person that was way, way better. God's plans are different than your plans. And sometimes you just have to trust him that he has something that's better for you. Church, God has plans to bless you, prosper you, and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. And he will every now and then present an interruption in your life. But from his perspective, it's actually an invitation into something greater, into a greater story. And so the angel Gabriel delivers this message to Mary, and then she responds back in verse 34. She says, how can this be since I... I'm a virgin. In other words, Gabriel, I've taken freshman health class. This is totally impossible. It is biologically impossible for that to happen. Virgins don't give birth to babies. It's totally and completely impossible. Church, I promise you, there are going to be times in life when God is going to interrupt you with an invitation to something different. And like Ebenezer Scrooge and like teenage Mary, you will come to a crossroads and you will come to a decision, and the path you choose will determine the direction of your life. And his purpose is going to be different than your plan, but he's going to ask you to have faith and believe in him. And you might look at it and you might say, I don't know how this is even possible. I don't see, God, how you're asking me to forgive them after what they did to me. It's impossible to forgive that. I don't know, God, how you're asking me to trust you and be generous with my money. I don't have a lot of it right now, and I have so much fear about money. And, and you know what we've been through? It seems impossible we could ever have a good marriage again. I don't care how much work we put into it. God, how in the world could you ever reconcile this relationship with one of my children? After what's been said between us, I don't see it ever happening. God, it's totally and completely impossible. So Mary says, it's impossible. There's no way. Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, who will be born, will be called the Son of God. Gabriel says, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. I don't know who came to church today just to be able to hear that truth this morning. But I believe there's someone in here this morning who's facing an obstacle. And you need to know this morning, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. 
what may seem impossible for man is absolutely and completely possible with God. We serve a God who is all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful. Mary says, I see no way. This could never happen. The angel says, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. And again, I don't know how it's going to happen for you, but I believe for all of you there's going to come a time where something interrupts you and you think, I don't know if I like that, but your divine antenna may go up in the air and you might ask yourself, could this be an invitation from God for purposes different than my plans? And God may ask you to believe something that seems unbelievable or attempt something that seems absolutely impossible. And the truth is, on your own, you can't. But with God, you can. And so I want to ask you now, very simply, here's my big question for you guys this morning. Here's a question. What is God asking you to do? What is God asking you to do? What is it that God is asking you to do or believe? If you're a follower of Christ, I believe with all my heart that our God is a speaking God and he wants to direct you and shape you and guide you. And what he is asking you to do is something that's going to impact your life and lead you to a greater story. So what is he asking you to do? For some of you, the answer is probably immediate. Something immediately came to your mind. You already know. You've just been resisting it. For others of you, this might take some time. Taking some time this week, maybe in prayer and reflection in your devotion time, praying, God, what is your next step for me? What is it that you're asking me to do? What are you directing me to do in this season of life? For some of you, it's starting to get more involved here in your church community. God's put this in my heart. It's what I need to do. For some of you, it's about restoring a relationship that's gone bad. For some of you, it's about reaching out to someone in your life who's far from God. And you may think, I've already tried so many times, and they just resist and resist and resist. But God is telling you to pick up one of those invitations in the back to Christmas Eve service and try again and invite them to church on Christmas Eve, to take them out to dinner, to tell them and show them that you love them and that you care about their lives. What is God asking you to do or to believe? And then, when you get ready to respond, never forget this, if God is asking you to take a next step of faith, write this down. This is kind of like our bottom line for today. The outcome is God's responsibility. The act of obedience is whose? Yours. The outcome is God's responsibility, but the act of obedience is yours. The outcome is always and only God's responsibility. Obedience, that belongs to you. All you're called to do is take the next step and obey. Tell yourself again and again, obedience is mine. The outcome is God's. The act of obedience, that's my part. That's my responsibility. And again, I don't know how this will play out for you, but there's going to come a time where God is calling you to trust him. He wants you to lead a small group, but you're like, when do I have time for that? How can I pull it off? What if I say something stupid in front of people? Fear, 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 fear. No, just obey. The act of obedience is yours. Trust him with the outcome. Well, God's calling us to tithe this year, and I'm scared. I don't know how we're going to do it. I'm feeling a pull. I got a big bonus, and God told me to do a, a big end, year-end gift to my church or 
do something in our estate planning, but I'm scared about doing that. The act of obedience is yours. The outcome is his. We've got children, you know, almost grown and out of the house, thought we were done, and now there's this opportunity to foster a kid. Maybe think about adoption. Man, are we really to go back to being parents again, starting over again with a young child? But maybe God's putting this in our heart. The obedience is your part. The outcome is God's part. And you simply surrender in obedience to him, just like a teenage girl did 2,000 years ago, when in God's wisdom and goodness, he interrupted her with an invitation to a higher calling. And in her mind, I mean, she couldn't conceive how any of that was possible. But she embraced the truth that all things are possible with her God. And so the angel puts this opportunity in front of her, just as I believe God is going to put some opportunities for something greater in front of each and every one of you. And how did she respond? How did Mary respond? Did she respond with fear like Ebenezer Scrooge? who chose the security of pursuing wealth over the risk of pursuing love? No. She responded with faith, and I love this. Verse 38, last verse we'll look at this morning. Mary said this. She said, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Before she says anything else, she reminds herself who she is and whose she is. She says, I am the Lord's servant. I belong to the king of kings. I am a daughter of the king of the universe. And even though I don't understand all of this, and certainly it's going to be difficult, and it's going to cost me a lot, I'm going to take a next step in obedience and faith because I know I belong to him. I know he is good. I know I can trust him. And I know that the outcome is his. The obedience is mine. And then she says one of the greatest faith-filled statements, I think, in all of the Bible. She says, may your word to me be fulfilled. Because his ways are higher than my ways. His purposes are higher than my plans. And his thoughts are greater than anything I could ever imagine. Can we pray together this morning, church? With heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, I pray today that the power of your Holy Spirit would help us to be obedient to the things that you have called us to do. God, we don't want our will. We don't want our plans. We don't want our dreams. God, we want yours. We want your story for us to unfold. Just like Mary, help us to remember who we are in you. We are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. And help us not to live as people serving our own selfish desires, our own plans, our own goals, but instead, God, to be people wanting to be obedient, to do what you have created us to do, to bring glory in this world to your name. God, I pray there would be discussions in families this week and amongst friends and amongst our students and in our small groups this week, and that we would talk very openly about what you are guiding us to do. What is the next step you're calling for each and every one of us? And then God, give us the courage to take that next step of faith even when we don't know exactly what you're gonna do with it. God, thank you that we can trust you with the outcome. Help us to have courage and faith to be obedient.
for what you're calling us to do. So we keep praying this morning. There might be some of you that if you're really honest with yourself this morning, you'd have to admit today that you cannot say you are the Lord's servant. You can't say it. It wouldn't be true. He's not first in your life. And scripture would say that you are currently lost in your sins, that you are separated from a relationship with the God of the universe because he is perfect and holy and we are not. This is why the fact that Mary was a virgin is so very important to our theology. It means that Jesus was supernatural. He was born without a sin nature like all of us are. He was the perfect being, born without sin, fully God, fully man. And that's why he could be the perfect sacrifice for all of our sins on the cross. And that's why when he defeated sin and death, when he was raised from the dead, he was the gift of our salvation. And people all over the New Testament were literally willing to give up their lives for that truth because they saw him die and they saw him rise again. And the Bible teaches this incredible promise that anyone who calls on his name, it says anyone, and that includes you and me, will be forgiven and will be saved. And you don't need to clean up your life first. He's ready to meet you exactly where you are. And he promises to forgive every sin to make you brand new into a new creation and to give you a greater story and a greater future for your life. So if that's your prayer today, if your prayer today is, God, I want to know you personally through your son Jesus. And today by faith, I give my life to Jesus. If that's your prayer would you just lift a hand right now in faith and say, yes, God, that's me. That's my prayer. Praise God, I see that. Praise God, I see that. Anybody else this morning? I believe this is the greatest decision anybody could ever make their entire life. This is the gift of Christmas. If you'd like to receive Jesus this morning as your Savior and Lord, praise that. I see that in the balcony this morning. Praise God. Praise God. And church family, can we, can we pray along with these brothers and sisters who are making some incredible decisions this morning to step out of the smaller story of them and into the greater story that you have for them to say, yes, this is my prayer. I need his grace. I need his salvation. I surrender to him. Let's pray together, church. For Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for meeting me right where I am. God, today on this 10th day of December, 2023. I want to move my faith off of myself and what I've done and place it on my Savior, Jesus. I believe Jesus is the greatest gift you've ever sent this world. I believe he willingly died for me on a cross to pay for my sins. And I believe he's the Son of God that he rose from the grave. Help me to turn from my old life and step into a personal relationship with you. Step by step, day by day, however that might look for the rest of my life.
and into eternity. Thank you for loving me, God. Thank you for inviting me to be a child of the king of the universe. I love you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate some decisions this morning, church? Praise God. Praise God. Again, I hope that never, ever gets old here. That's the reason why we exist. It's the reason why we do church. Can we stand together as the worship team continues to lead us in song? Yeah, altars are always open if you want to come forward, if there are things you need to, to pray about. We invite you to do that. If you made a decision of faith, please don't keep that a secret. Please let us know. Fill it out on a response card. Let one of our greeters know. We would love to celebrate that with you and talk about next steps.
be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may this favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children pray blessings upon these, your people today, Lord God. Father, may you give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today in this incredible true story from Scripture about this teenage girl named Mary who had such incredible faith that she was willing to say, God, I trust you. Your plans are greater than my plans. Even if I don't understand, I will be obedient to take the next step. The outcome belongs to you for your glory. God, may we learn from that, and may we be a people who can apply that into our lives. Give us, again, the wisdom to know what to do and the courage, like Mary, to take action and to do something about it. We pray this today in your son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. As you stay seated this morning, I have a little special announcement today. So if uh, you guys in the booth can cue a little bit of music for us here today, we're going to... 
We're going to take it up a notch a little bit as we do this presentation. Help me out, guys. Down in the Tennessee hill. Come there ain't no smoke, no smoke on rock top. Ain't no telephone bill. You guys can come up now here. But once I had me a man on rock top, half bear, the other half cat. But he was wild as a mink, but he was sweet as soda pop. I often think about that. Oh, Rocky Top, you'll always be home sweet home to me. Well, for those of you guys who might not know, I'll come on this side here. For those of you guys who might not know, we've kind of announced it for last month here, but um, our, our dear, loved, wonderful Jim and Wendy um, are making a move. And uh, they have sold their home, and they're going to be heading out now to Tennessee, to Nashville. And so um, we want to we bless them on that trip. And so, Lexi, come up here. We've, as a church family, we've gotten you a gift. And so um, this... This is not drug money, I promise you. Um, <laughs> but we, we've loaded up a bag with money for tolls, with snacks, and in that front zipper, you're going to find lots of gift cards to any restaurant um, on your road trip over there. We want you to have a safe travel and a safe journey. We want you to know this is always your home, and you have probably multiple people who would open their homes to you whenever you come up for a visit. We know you still have family up here as well. Maine will always be your home. You will be dearly missed and you're dearly loved. And we've asked your dear friend and also one of our board members, Sue Sass, to pray over you guys this morning. And so Sue is going to lead some prayer. Worship team, if you want to gather around and even put a hand on these guys, I want to invite you who have loved them and worked in ministry with them for so many years to pray over our worship leaders here this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, um, you know, as this last song was, pre was playing, um, just a calm came over me because... To see the lives that Jim and Wendy have affected in this church, Lord, it is just really unbelievable. Um, their dedication to the teens to help them to sing in front of a large crowd and to just bless them with their spirit, Lord, their incredible guidance and just always being there for them and encouraging them, Lord. They have been such a blessing to so many of us. And Lord, we're sad to see them go, but excited for what your will will be in Tennessee. Lord, they get to be with their son, Tyler, and, and my daughter, Elizabeth. <laughs> a little jealous there, but that's okay. Um, but Lord, I'm just so excited for what, you're gonna, what you have in store for them down there, Lord. What they've done here, they can do down there, Lord. And excited to hear about the stories and the blessings and the lives that will be influenced by their love, Lord. Um, just thank you so much for, for their ministry, Lord, for their love, their support, uh, their friendship. And Lord, I just uh, ask that you be there for them during their travels, Lord. We ask for your traveling mercies. We ask for nothing to go wrong, to just um, for Wendy and um, and their dog to have a safe but not chaotic uh, trip down in the car. Um, for Jim, Lord, to, um, to just be by himself in the car for the, such a long time, Lord, and just uh, help him to have good music and um, to know that we are thinking of them. Um, and Lord, we just want them to be safe and to get there um, in a couple of days. And Lord, that um, 
just so, again, incredibly blessed by their friendship and their ministry. And we thank you so much for them, Lord. Amen. 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 Can we one time, once more, celebrate Jim and Wendy? <laughs> And Sue and Lexi, I'm going to ask you to escort them um, into the foyer because I'm sure lots of people are going to want to give them hugs and, and have some conversation. So we'll give you guys a running head start as I pray one last time over the congregation, um, and then we dismiss them, okay? Awesome. They're going to escort you guys out there. You are our guests of honor in the foyer this afternoon here. Let's pray one more time, church. Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for being the incredible God that you are, the giver of all good things. We again thank you for this season, the Christmas season, and how you proved you're a God who is good and a God who is, can be trusted and that you sent us the greatest gift, your son Jesus. I pray now that you would bless these people as they go forth into this world to shine a light for you and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. God bless you guys. Have a great, great week. Hope to see you back next week in part three of Ghost of Christ.